Welcome to the Pete Primo Show, episode 143. We are with Chris Hood, and he is a business expert, and he is going to talk about customer empathy. Right now, I'm going to pay the bills very quickly. If you haven't bought my book, Sell a Million, what are you waiting for? Traffic is down? Pick up this book, pull out a chapter, read it. It's cafeteria style. Guys, it's the best year ever for this book. 101 chapters, more than probably 250 ideas. If you buy the book, it's $14.99 on Amazon, guys. It's an absolute giveaway. If you buy the book, you read it, you have questions, call me, 419-560-3169. Chris Stone, you're the best producer in the whole world. What were you, afraid I was going to forget my phone number? God bless you. Love you. And my friends at the Mattress Industry Network Group. Thank you for sponsoring the show. We appreciate you more than you know. Uh, Steve, Greg, you guys all do a great job. If you are in the mattress industry in any way, shape, or form, we want you in this group. The This group is absolutely the best group I've seen. If you want to learn how to build, market, sell, and succeed in the mattress industry, this group was formed by a group of retailers. Everybody's in here from store owners to manufacturer owners to VPs of sales to sales reps to sales pros that work the, the retail floor. Join the group if you want to get better in the mattress industry today. Tell them Pete sent you and say hi. I'm in and out of the group throughout the week. I'm very busy, but I try to answer any and all questions. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. And I've just, I, I cannot wait to get into this. Guys, Chris wrote a book. It's called Customer Transformation. I, I'm just telling you right now, uh, most of what we talk about today is in the book, plus so much more. You have to get his book. It is absolutely, it has the best cover of any book in the history of mankind, by the way. <laughs> um, Chris, let, we're going to start talking about customer empathy. And, you know, that seems like a uh, ho-hum subject, but boy, it's more important today than ever, Chris. I mean, our, our customers, uh, they are looking for a human touch. They are, they, you know, gather a lot of intel on the internet and, but they need that human touch to sort through a lot of sometimes information that contradicts itself, right? And, and it leads to confusion without a touch point with an expert who can kind of help them sort through some of the questions they have. So customer empathy, how do you define it? And let's get into it. Yeah, fabulous. Thanks, Pete. I'm glad to be here. It's going to be a fabulous conversation. I guarantee it. So let's see. Empathy. You know, if we if we start to break empathy down, it boils to understanding the emotions behind your customers. That's really overly simplifying it. But we talk about understanding a customer's needs and fulfilling their expectations. Uh, oftentimes, we focus too heavily on what is the problem we're trying to solve. Now, the problem is just one part of it. But there's an entire emotional spectrum that's behind that that we touch on every day as part of our lives. So if we want to talk about mattresses, 
I want to be able to go to sleep. There's an emotional journey when I go into my bed and I fall asleep, right? That's the empathy part. This is, you know, the cliche of walk a mile in somebody else's shoes so that you know how they feel. That's yep. what we're trying to accomplish with our customers. Yep. It is so important. Uh, Jeb Blunt, who's one of the greatest sales trainers in, in, in modern selling, wrote an entire book. It, it, it is a thick book called EQ for Emotional Quotient. And customer empathy is a huge piece of that. And uh, your book really uh, dives into it and it goes, it, it gets into more stuff. And I want to get into the more stuff. But I want to, I, I want to unpack this just a little bit. So, customer comes into the store. We are problem solving. Chris brought this out. You know, we're we're concentrating on you know what's what's what their problem is, but what is their problem doing to them? How is it impacting their life? You want to look for our triggers. That's where the trigger is. The trigger is in the emotions that she, and I mean she, is feeling. Sometimes it's a he, but most of the time, if you have any experience in the mattress industry, it's a she, either behind or in front, making the decision. And we need to understand her emotions and her drivers and, and what is the outcome that she's looking for. And, and let me tell you something. If you want to take a customer who's just looking and you want them to become your customer, understanding their emotions and what's driving them and what's happening with them is an art and a science. And it's something that you have to do. And you, if you deliver to them an experience that's customized to just her because you have asked some great questions you have had empathy and you and there's a big difference between empathy and sympathy and i'm going to ask chris to dive into that a little bit in just a second but you start to understand where she is at emotionally you have just separated yourself from 99% of all retail salespeople who never even get there all they're doing is trying to problem solve. They're just trying to like go down this sales funnel that they have in their head and they're just trying to make a sale. Stop trying to make a sale and start trying to understand your customer and you will make all the sales you can stand to make and yeah. you will make bigger sales and you will make sales with less friction because you're honing in on what's important to her. So, Chris, I want to ask, ask you that question. You know, the difference between empathy and sympathy, especially for a seller, um, and they're working with a customer, uh, the differences and what they need to be careful of. Yeah, actually, I think you touched on this, uh, which is the critical part. There's two sides of a sales process. There's the buyer and the seller. And oftentimes, the seller just wants to close the sale. I've shopped for mattresses myself. I can't tell you how many times. And I've walked in and I get surrounded by, how can I, how can I help you? That's an individual who only cares about a sale. Yeah. Quite frankly. Yeah. So I don't want to like really throw all of the salespeople under the bus here. 
but the mattress industry is notorious for not understanding their customer. And we can talk all the time about, oh, we have sympathy for your back pains, or we recognize you're pregnant and you need something more comfortable, or we realize you just got married and you're moving into a new house. I I can rattle off all the stories that I'm sure you've all heard. And there's definitely a sympathetic view behind that. Like, I, I recognize what the problem is. I'm sympathetic towards that problem. Let me show you this model. That's the mindset. And what empathy teaches us is that, you know, we'll go back to relationship. If, if you've ever been in a relationship and you've had conversations and somebody says, you're not listening to me. And then somebody says, no, 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 I'm listening. And well, what did I just say? And you rattle off the last, you know, sentence or two sentences of what they said. Yeah, you might have listened or you might have heard what I said, but you don't get it. You don't understand how I'm feeling, right? And that's the difference is recognizing that empathy comes with not only listening, but understanding what the emotional challenge is. And when we are focused too heavily on sales, then we're ignoring it. We're just the other person who's sitting there saying, yeah, yeah, I I hear what you're saying. And we're already jumping to a conclusion like, how can I close this deal? How can I position it? How can I, oh, I'm getting a promo today on this brand of mattresses. So I'm going to drive people over to this brand because, you know, there's a big deal going on. And my management team is telling me I've got to sell this particular brand, right? All of those things are distracting you from understanding what your customer actually needs, wants, desires, aspires to have in their home. And we have to be able to put all of that aside. We have to separate that sympathetic point of view. Hey, you can add sympathy into the mix, sure. But it's about listening and then understanding what that problem is and then working with them Two, and here's the next part, build a relationship with that individual. And whether or not they buy or leave, your goal, your number one goal is not to sell. Your number one goal is to build a relationship with that individual. And you do that by recognizing what their challenges, problems, needs, aspirations are. And then you can nurture that relationship and hopefully close the deal. Wow. So good, Chris. Thank you so much for that. So there's a difference. And and anybody that's listening to this, if you're at your desk, write this down. There's a difference between listening to understand the way Chris just recommended it to us and listening to respond. And let me get back to my sales funnel. Let me go back. Where am I on my checklist? Stop it. Just stop it. Screw your checklist for the time being. Doesn't matter. You won't need your checklist if you really do a great job understanding the customer. And one of the things, yes, Chris, 100% active listening and pausing and restating and feeding back. Let me see if I have this correct, Mrs. Jones. Feed it back to her and let her expand on it. If she doesn't expand on it, do Columbo. And if you're younger, you won't remember Columbo. 
but he was a bumbling detective that was so good at using silence to get people to continue talking. And he would just do goofy things and basically create silence, let them fill the silence, keep them talking. Chris Stone, how many cups of coffee did you drink today? You are just on fire. I watched an episode of Columbo last night, believe it or not. Uh, One with the robot. Robbie the robot from the old 1950s Forbidden Planet was in a Columbo episode. And it was all a, it was all about uh, the robot actually helping, you know, achieve the uh, alibi. It was great. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. There, yes, there it is. Look at that, man. We are on fire today. So building these relationships, as Chris said, as your number one priority, it makes you and forces you that mindset that that direction of your of your mind and that direction of your heart to really understand on both levels what is she going through and what does she want and then you can get there but you silence restate the question back and there is nothing that will make you more sales faster than mastering this and it seems almost counterintuitive, really does. It's like, I have this list of things that my regional manager gave me and he or she told me that I have to do this. I have to ask this qualifying question. I have to ask this. Stop, stop, don't do it. I'll give you another really quick one though. Here's here's a scenario. Customer walks in, you are too pushy. You alienate that customer. Customer leaves. You don't close the deal. Or you sit there and you just talk with them. And what's the alternative? They still leave. So either way, why not attempt to at least build the relationship, build the connection? Doesn't matter if they leave. The alternative is they're going to leave. The number of people who are walking into a mattress store and are going to buy are already going to buy. That's why they're there. So you build the relationship is going to benefit you either way. Yep. hundred percent, Chris. Chris, I, I bought your book. I loved your book. I didn't, I just kind of skipped through it because I didn't have time to read through the entire thing. And it was crazy because I'm going, oh man, I want to read that. And I want to read this and I want to read that. But what really caught my eye, Chris, was your con- customer transformation framework. And I was wondering if you would, you know, walk through some of that with us um, because it's just so good and it's, it's incredible. If we do this, we're going to make more sales and we're going to have a more successful business. Yeah. So the framework is broken up into seven stages. And we'll just quickly go through those stages. The first stage is customer. It's what we've been talking about. You have to understand your customer. You have to recognize who your customer is. You have to analyze and, and evaluate, sympathize, empathize, look at their aspirations. All of that is in the customer. And you'll notice that this entire framework, it's on the screen now, goes from what we call the outside in. Meaning we start with the customer and anybody who's also out there in the mattress industry, furniture industry, and you feel like, well, we're B2B, 
you're doing it wrong. You've, you've got to continue to think ahead and get to that customer no matter what. So customer is the first stage of the framework. The second stage is interfaces. This is how the customer is going to interface with you. There's any number of ways, especially in our digital world, they may want to buy online. So they're using their mobile apps, their mobile devices. But we're also in a world where we don't have to touch things. So I can tell my Google device behind me, you know, Google, tell me where the closest, you know, store is. I can ask questions. Uh, we've got smart devices, smart homes, smart cars. Everything is turned into some type of new experience, digital experiences. This is how consumers want to engage. And especially from the pandemic, we're seeing a lot less in-store traffic. So you've got to figure out how to bridge the gap between what customers are looking to engage with you versus what you are probably already doing today. That's interfaces. Number three is journeys. This is your typical, what we would call the customer journey or what the customer experiences. This is where we understand what is happening when they come into a store or when they come to your website or when they are engaging with you. How do they facilitate uh, a sales trans transaction? How simple do you make that? What's the return policies? How simple do you make that? Right. Uh, especially today, man, I want to test out my mattress. I want you to bring it in and let me sleep on it for a couple of days, maybe a week. And then you pick it up and return it. No cost to me. Like that would be fabulous. That's what people are expecting today. That's the journey. Ecosystem is all about your partners. It's your community. It's how do you build these journeys and these experiences by leveraging other people that are around you? So I'll give you a really broad one for the case of mattresses. Uh, does your mattress company, your local store that you are owning or operating or managing, do you have, say, a partnership with Starbucks? So that if you go to Starbucks and you bring in your Starbucks cup, you are, you know, getting some sort of discount, like some sort of partnership or collaboration or opportunity to expand outside of your confines of your store. Again, too often we think about it as uh, the journey starts as soon as somebody walks through my door and then I hope I sell something. And then when they leave, the journey ends. But the reality is, is that journey is starting way before they enter your store and way after they leave your store. How do you build the relationship so that when I'm ready to buy my next mattress in five years, I'm pulling out my old uh, set of business cards and calling you up, right? But you build that in that community and, and that's where social media comes. That's where the partnerships come. And then the next one is culture. This is all about how you... Uh, build a culture that is customer-centric. This is about your hiring practices. This is about your employees. This is a recognition that everyone in your organization is responsible for customer satisfaction. And it's also a recognition that your employee satisfaction directly impacts your customer satisfaction. So if you have a district manager who is hounding you for sales, that is a toxic manager who doesn't care about their customers. I'm being bold here, but that is the difference between how you build a customer-centric culture versus a sales-centric culture. A big difference. That's the culture. 
The next one is technology. That's recognizing all the various types of technologies that you might need to implement. That might be your CRMs or your website, your mobile devices. Even though they are interfacing at the second stage, you still need data about your customers. You need insights. You need the data to help you make decisions. For example, let's say that uh, the data is showing that it's a good time to run a sale. Well, then run a sale. If the data is saying, don't run a sale, that we're not going to get anybody into the store, then don't run a sale. You're not going to get anybody into the store, right? These decisions have to be rooted in data, not bias. And too often we see leaders who want to focus solely on their own opinions, their biased decisions to inform or to make uh, decisions at the store locations. We don't want to do that. And that drives us into the last stage, which is the business, the value. How do we build value for our organization? How do we have a leadership team that is focused on the customer always? And how do we recognize that we need to align our values with our customers? So if we go all the way back to stage one and how that relates to stage eight, there is a value alignment. There is a recognition that We are in alignment with what our customers want, what their aspirations are. We are empathetic towards them. And we are not doing anything that is going to sit outside or potentially alienate our customers. And if you do this all correctly, then you will achieve amazing value for your organization. And that's the seven, that's the seven stages. Mm. Wow. Um, I've constantly encouraged everybody that watches this show to be involved in your community. And when we're looking at success stories in our industry, there isn't one of them, not one that I can think of. And I'm, I'm trying to bring it to my mind right now that doesn't connect deeply to their community and even newer stores, if they connect deeply into the community, they are having dramatic success. This is one of the keys to success. Cross-selling partnerships with non-competing stores is huge. Find a store that gets 10 times more traffic than yours, 20 times more traffic than yours. Uh, I love the... um the coffee shop um, uh, example. I had a dealer years and years ago, 20 years ago, and 20, 30 years ago, 30 years ago, he did a cross promotion with a McDonald's. And it went so well that they, they gave out a free Big Mac that the store was supposed to get billed 50 cents for. This is a long time ago. Um, which was about half the cost of the Big Mac. And uh, they ended up not charging them anything and just ended it with, please just do this again. It was great for us. And having cross promotions, think about restaurants, think about coffee shops, any business that's successful that gets a lot of traffic, think outside the box and it's more than just 
the dollars and cents. It's the collaboration. It's the part of becoming part of this community. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, we get tired um, as mattress store owners. Sometimes you get more people in asking for freebies and donations and you get customers and it happens and it's frustrating when it happens, but really look at what's happening uh, there's Joe Clay. Hey, Joe, how are you? Sales-driven managers create a toxic, yes, work environment, incredible information. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Chris put his finger on it in the book and in person live right now. It is 100% true. Anything you want to add to that, Chris? Well, I, I was going to just chime in and, and give you one good example for marketing synergies that you could take away from here, as well as one challenge. The idea is go partner with a movie theater because mm -hmm. there's clearly going to be movies that deal with sleeping in some realm or another and figure out a way how you could put a mattress in the lobby of a movie theater with marketing collateral around whatever that movie is that deals with sleep. Like that's a great way to look at this. All you're trying to do is build stories. The Starbucks example is great because wouldn't you love waking up from a fresh night of sleep and having a Starbucks? Like you can build those stories to mm -hmm. express how you can help and build, you know, a, a relationship with somebody else. The challenge for you is this one. Go partner with one of your competitors. Now, the first thing I know, everybody is sitting there thinking is, what the? There's no way in the world that I'm going to go build a partnership and do a joint event with a competitor. And I'm going to say, why not? Why not? You're going to probably generate more sales on that promotion than you would if you didn't. And I'll give you examples where this is already happening in the world today. Google partners with people all over the place. Google partners with their biggest competitors. Google and Microsoft would be arguably a huge competitor, a uh, competition. And yet Microsoft Zoom is embedded in Google devices. Why? Because they recognize that if they didn't, Google has devices in millions of homes, and now they have access to a Microsoft product through those Google devices. And I'm sure there's people out there saying, well, yeah, but we're not Google. We're not technology. We're not this. We're not that. I can, I can share with you countless examples of where competitors are actually working together in this ecosystem community partnership environment that are thriving because it boils down to this basic premise. If I can get more eyeballs on my product, I can generate more sales. So you've got to be challenged with these opportunities uh, around partnerships and thinking outside the box if, if we want to go down the marketing route. But you've, you've got to expand your reach be beyond just your storefront. Wow. You are really challenging our audience today, Chris. And so Thank you very much for doing that because it's super important. Um, when I was in retail, I had collaborations 
with other stores and referred customers back and forth to other stores that carried different things. On the surface, we looked like we were competitors. But when you really got down to it, we were very different. And believe it or not, mattress store owners, there are some furniture stores who have given up on the mattress thing. They've just given up on it. They they believe that they stink at it. They show a few models just to say they have it. They would just as soon send them to your store and get a referral fee than screw around with it. So one of my best retailers has a situation in his small hometown where the furniture store actually sends business his and her way. And uh, you don't know until you try. And we should always be open to being more creative, not less creative. Whenever we just think about what's this little bubble that we're in and that's it. And it's me against the world. No, 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 no. The world's huge. It's unlimited. And you need to start to be really super creative. And Chris is challenging us today to be super creative and get, <laughs> grab Chris. Oh, Pete Primo. Yes, absolutely. Grab Chris Hood's uh, book, Customer Transformation, a seven-stage stra strategy for customer alignment and business value. Absolutely. Go to Amazon um, and grab that book. Joe Clay, would love to hear more ways on collaboration with our competitors. All right, Chris, back to you. More yeah. ways to collaborate with competitors. So uh, again, I don't know what market you're in or how many other mattress stores are in there. I think the easiest one is to do what you just said. Down the street from me, there is an office furniture store. They don't sell mattresses, but they're office furniture. Now go in and say, look, we're a mattress company. We're down the street. We would love the referrals. We'll do the same. If somebody comes in and says, hey, we need office furniture, we'll send them to you. If you get anybody who comes in and says, we need a mattress, send them to us. Like That's an easy one. And you could argue that they're really not a competitor in that space. but. Mm -hmm. Let's say that you have other mattress stores in the area. Why not? Now, <laughs> the challenge here is you're going to have to convince them to want to partner with you, even though you're doing this. But go have some sort of Saturday afternoon. It's Halloween right now, right? There's a holiday. We're getting into Thanksgiving. Go find two or three mattress companies in your area. Figure out a place where you can host it. Uh, do a big Halloween trick-or-treat type of thing with the kids. Have them come in and look at all the mattresses. Drive the traffic, and you're both going to benefit. That's the reality. And, and I would argue, maybe if you want to do it at your own store and say, look, come to our store, and we'll do a collaboration. And then next month, we'll go to your store and do the exact same thing. That's one way you could do it. Or pick some other location. You know, pick pick a a park, pick a parking lot, pick pick some mall. You know, pick somewhere that is third party, so that you're not really driving traffic to the stores. But the goal here again is not to generate the sales. The goal here is to build the relationship with the people in your community and build the partnerships because you never know when that's going to pay off in the long run. 
So if you're at a park and you got a bunch of mattresses out there and you're handing out candy for the kids and you got pumpkin patches, like go do that with somebody else because now you're helping your community. You're helping your competitors. And quite frankly, your competitors are going to be helping you. Wow. Yeah, I'm loving this too, Joe. I'm uh, I'm with you, brother. I am absolutely loving this. Chris is really... So here's something uh, that Chris just sparked in me. And I'm just spitballing. I have no idea if, if it could work. But you hear that there's a school fundraiser coming into town. Why not you, with one of your competitors, supplement it? Help them make a donation to the school for every on that weekend. And at it's easy to be at better prices. I'm going to tell you that right now. They're so sky high, it's ridiculous. Um, why not join forces and say, why choose from a couple different, you know, uh, a couple different brands? Between blah, blah, blah store and blah, blah, blah store, we have over 10 brands of mattresses and every one, we will make a donation to the school this week as well. So don't feel like you just have to go to that school fundraiser. Come to our store and come to our competitor store and we will make a donation. Like join forces, right? on something that you guys can both get behind, especially if you guys carry different brands. Uh, Absolutely. Building friendly competition between your, your competitors. You're, yeah. you're both in it for a good cause. Again, say a local school, local fundraiser, whatever it is, and challenge them. Say, hey, these two mattress stores in our local community are going at it against each other. Come and support a good cause. And you've got... Look, in this case, you would have advertising for your competitor in your store, but they're going to also have advertising for you in their store. Right. And then you are working towards a good cause. You get PR out of it. You get some press, right? And then whoever the losing mattress store is, I don't know, do something. You know, like yeah. shave somebody's head, have yeah. fun with it, have fun Throw with a pie it in somebody's face, have fun. I mean, I'm spitballing. I have no idea. No, it, it, exactly. This is exactly what you're trying to accomplish. So you, you, you don't have to look at your competitor as how do I drive traffic away from them? Figure out how you can work with them to generate these unique opportunities for your community. And ultimately again, for your customers. Wow. That is just, that's so good. Uh, so listen, I loved what you said. Make your decisions based on data, not bias. Sometimes we get a program from 30 years ago, 40 years ago, still playing in our head. We haven't corrected it yet. And we're making decisions based on old data. So update your data on a regular basis and understand the differences between your business today, right now, and what it used to be. And don't let the shadows of your past inform your decisions today. Make a new decision based on new data, recent data, and recent trends. And like Wayne Gretzky said, 
you know, why do you score so many goals? I go to where the puck is going. Go where the puck is going. Figure out where it's going and be there. And I'm telling you, when you surprise and delight your customer and you give them a reason to get excited about shopping for mattresses, like what's going on? Why is mattress discount over here and mattress superstar both advertising together? What's this is weird. That's the point, guys. First of all, you double your advertising. You get them to focus on what's going on. And then what if what what if in your county, the favorite charity, and I'm I'm just making this up, is uh breast cancer awareness and you both make a donation for all your sales that weekend for breast um, breast cancer awareness what that's beautiful that is so good that touches my heart that makes me want to go out and buy a mattress and I'm in the industry <laughs> I mean what Chris is laying down here guys you gotta be picking up on this and running with it I mean it's really really good. And I should have known by the cover of your book, you are a creative guy, Chris. <laughs> I should have known that. Um, leveraging your community and partnerships is huge. Building value. I love what you said here when it came to, to number seven business. You're building a leadership team. My best customer right now who's having the most success of anybody in the industry right now, his sole focus is on building this team and this leadership team. And, you know, one of the things that we forget when we're building a leadership team, Chris, is we don't leave enough gap, enough room for our leaders to expand in and grow. And that has to do with you as a, as a leader you given them the reins and you hand them the reins, but you don't do it all at once. You do it a little bit at a time and you do it with coaching, but you've got to let them stumble a little bit. You got to give them a little bit of room. You got to let them make a few mistakes and then you've got to coach them up consistently. Chris, what say you? Yeah. I mean, look, if, if we were to get into the concept of leadership, and I got a tear in my eye thinking about this. If, if we start thinking about leadership, there are hundreds of opinions out, that, out there about what makes the best leaders. And I'm not going to sit here and dissect all of the different leadership models and all the different ways you can be a good leader and how to build cultures and all that kind of stuff. But I will boil it down to really, there's only two primary premises of what makes a good leader. One side of it is sales. Obviously, you've got to generate sales to sustain your business. And I'm sure there are a lot of leaders out there that are sales-focused. We've already talked about this. And the unfortunate side is, is that if you're focused on sales, you tend to be more of a toxic leader. But you can't argue the fact that you're in business to make money. And obviously, you've got to make money. So if you focus on all of the ways that you can make money, great. That's one side. The other side of leadership is, are you customer focused? And here's where it really all comes together. It's very simple. 
if you don't have customers, you don't have sales. <laughs> so, so you can't be focused on sales without being focused on customers. It's just where are you putting your emphasis? So when we are growing cultures and we are building and uplifting team members, and if we're really trying to remove those bad attitudes within the environment, it starts with an understanding of what our purpose is. The purpose of any business is your customer. There is no other business purpose. I, I dare anybody out there to chime in and tell me what a different purpose is. There is none. It is customer, customer, and customer. If you don't have a customer, you don't have sales. So when we start talking about how do we position our teams, how do we build leadership, how do we build growth opportunities, yeah, those cultures are all about recognizing you have aspirations. How do I help you fulfill your aspirations? No different than I'm helping our customers fulfill their aspirations. How do we build opportunities for growth and learning? How do we build a pathway for success for whatever your goals are? How do we understand and bring you the empathy part that we've been talking about into our employees? I mean, it's one thing to say, hey, we've got customer empathy, but can you match that with employee empathy? Man, again, I've been in retail. My first job was in retail. I remember sitting in tons of sales meetings. Those district managers could care less about me. All they cared about was the script, the funnel, make sure you sell this, upsell this, say this, right? They're programming little agents to go out and conquer the sales world, right? They don't care about me. And when I don't feel like I'm cared about, well, then all I'm doing is coming into work. I don't want to be there. I mean, how many of you out there go into work every day, especially sales mattress, and you're frustrated and you're like, I don't want to do this today. And oh, I'm on commission. And oh, I've got to make a couple of sales or else I'm got, you know, all of that is just dragging you down. And this has to come from a leadership perspective. The leaders have to be able to empower that empathy internally to the organization so that you are happy and successful and, and at times challenged. That's okay. But we see stats time and time again. We can directly correlate employee happiness with customer satisfaction. Mm. Because if you're happy when you walk into your job, then you're going to be happy to have conversations. You're not going to be stressed about what to say and how to say it and how to position it. You can just have conversations with customers, build those relationships, which are ultimately going to generate sales. Mm. So the leader of any organization... 100% of the organizations in the entire world, the leader has to focus on how do we improve customer experience and how do we do that by improving employee experience too. Mm, that is so good. Uh, Chris, this is like um, we've got ESP going on because you can focus on how to have a better customer experience. You can focus on how to have a better employee experience, but nobody is born knowing how to do that automatically. And I think that there's a really important 
aspect to this that we don't, as an industry, do a good enough job with. And that's education, and that's training, and that is not just skill development. I'm talking about developing this. Where's Let's talk about this. Let's talk about where our heart's at. Let's talk about where our mind is at. Let's talk about really living our best business life, being true to our culture, being customer centric. And, you know, I, I think that in my 41 years that I've been in the industry, I've been very, very blessed that I've had companies that were willing to spend money on training, on education. And, and, you know, I think that we can't talk about all this good stuff without talking about elevating our, our education of our team, our, our team that we want them to go out and deliver this great customer experience. We're going to have to invest in them with this and with this, but also with some greenbacks and spend some money investing in them. Because, you know, one of the funny things that happen is when they hear it from somebody else who's an expert who wrote a book, even though I've said it 10 times, now the expert has said it and now they get it. And it's like, all right, that's cool. It's it. I don't care who gets credit as long as they get the message. So I am sure that in your business, Chris, you have seen companies that really invest in their people and you've seen companies that haven't invested. And what is the difference in their performance? Well, it's, I mean, it's off the charts. If, if you're going to care about me and invest in me, then I'm sticking around longer. I'm happier. I'm content. I want to go to work every day. I'm satisfied with waking up in the morning. Right? I think there's an interesting question in here. So I'm going to ask you a question because I don't know the answer to this. But when I think about, uh, you know, my first job, all of our first jobs, And if you think about the youth out there and the first jobs that they pick. Now, most people, I think we could assume, uh, you know, their first jobs are going to be, you know, fast food, as an example. Go work at McDonald's, right? Uh, There's obviously a lot of really strong brands like Chick-fil-A. Everybody seems to want to go work for Chick-fil-A as a first job. How many people... And, and this is what I don't know. How many people or how many mattress companies have a line of people, you know, young 16, 17, 18 year olds who want to work at a mattress company as their first job? <laughs> That's brutal. Uh, not many, but I, I have to give a little hat tip here to mattress firm many years ago. I don't even know that they do this anymore. But one of my friends, uh, Brian Pankos, was recruited on the campus 
of uh, Michigan State. So go Spartans, if there's any Spartan fans out there. Uh, Brian went directly from college uh, to Mattress Firm, and he's actually one, he was one of the best trained uh, guys, uh, rose to a really great position as a general manager of 15, 16 sleep shops. Uh, he's out of the industry now, but he, uh, he was actually recruited, I believe on campus, there was a job fair and mattress firm actually showed up. I don't know if they still do this, but your point, Chris is super well taken. I mean, listen, guys, I wrote an article. It's in my blog. It's still there. You can go see it, pprimo.com. I never wanted to be in sales because what I had seen of sales, it didn't appeal to me. I never, but when I didn't make pro football and it was unlikely I was going to make pro football, I came from a little division three school. And after a few injuries and a few cuts, uh, it was obvious that it was going to be a very long trek. I already had a baby and I needed to start making some money. And my, uh, my father-in-law was in the mattress and furniture industry. And that's kind of how I got into it. And I never wanted to be in sales, let alone mattress sales. Uh, but I fell in love with mattress sales, interestingly enough. Because it could impact the health and the well-being of the customer. And most furniture, while it looks pretty and it makes the home more inviting and, and it can do a lot of really cool things for the community feeling in the house, um, nothing impacts directly their health the way a mattress directly impacts their health. And that's what attracted me to it. And I remember working at a furniture store and the owner saying, I just wish that you love furniture the way you love mattresses. And I said, Larry, mattresses are the only thing that really affects their health directly. He goes, I get it. And he goes, I'm glad you drank the Kool-Aid. You're my number one out of 50 salespeople. You're my number one mattress salespeople person. And I'm happy that you drank the Kool-Aid. I just wish your furniture sales were as good as your mattress sales. So I went well, off. Like, again, I think there's something interesting in this, right? Because we could say, again, if we analyze first jobs, fast food is obviously one, but also going to the mall, working at the mall. So sales is a lot of times somebody's first job working in retail, working at the store, working at Target, right, as an example. And there's a lot of elements that go into that. But what you're actually touching on in terms of how mattresses impact our lives from sleep and comfort, there is a, a statement in there, right? We see that the youth today wants to work for companies that align with their own personal belief systems. So whether that is sustainability or uh, you know the, the cultures that we, we deal with out there, uh, they are finding jobs that they are passionate about. And so the question that the mattress industry needs to be asking is how do we build a culture that recognizes that level of, of health and well-being and bring people in and nurture them in, in their first jobs? If you could start answering that question, then I think the industry as a whole starts to blossom a little bit more 
because you've got to build active interest from an earlier age. And, and we know that there's not a lot of teens out there going and buying a mattress, right? They're, they're not buying their first mattress until either they move off to college or they get married. But the, the recognition of, of, the, of your specific purpose, well-being, health, like if we can ingrain that into the sales process while also building a way for you know teens to uh, learn, to get an education, to grow within an organization. I mean, I, I'm call out Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A has plenty of programs that are not Chick Fil A focused for personal growth and development, right? So you've got to start thinking about that. And again, I think that there's there's an opportunity in there if you further dissect why aren't you getting a lot of uh, kids coming in for first time jobs in master sales, right? And it'd be an interesting, uh, you know, some research to do. Yes, very much so. Well, we're starting to run out of time. I promise you the last 10 minutes and I think you're going to get the last six minutes, last five minutes. Oh, Chris, I am so sorry. Um, I know for a fact that there's people watching this and who are going to watch this who are going to want to get in touch with you. And two things. Well, Joe, Joe's got a question. Joe Clay, why are more people not watching this live? <laughs> what could possibly be more important before noon? Well, Joe, some people are actually making sales in the store and they're going to watch it on the replay. But thank you. I love your enthusiasm. I love your passion. And I've enjoyed our conversations, Joe. And, 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 and thank you. I'm, I have to say this. I've enjoyed this conversation um, immensely because what Chris has consistently done since noon is challenge us. And he's, he's trying to get us to think about our business in a bigger way, in a way that is better for everybody involved. You know, it's not a win-win. It's a win-win-win. And I want Chris to be able to talk about anything that's near and dear to his heart for the last few minutes. Chris? Is there a question that I didn't ask you that you wanted me to ask you? Nah. Nah. I I just like having conversations. That's the whole point. Have conversations and get to know some new people and really think about it uh, as we've talked about. How do we think about this differently? This is the first time that I've actually put customer transformation into the context of a mattress store. So, you know, I, it's beneficial. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was a couple of months ago, I had a conversation with somebody and uh, they were all about outdoor sheds. Oh, wow. And, and I had to, you know, wrap it around that context, which uh, I think I did brilliantly. But, you know, <laughs> no, the, but this shows you, right, that whether it's outdoor sheds or mattresses or fast food, it doesn't matter because you all have customers. You all have to understand what their needs and aspirations are, and you all have to align your organization to meet those needs and aspirations. And it's ever evolving. It's ever continuous. It, it doesn't end. And so I, I started off with a plain piece of paper, a big <laughs> plain piece of paper. There you go. And I have got like a mini, a master course. 
with this episode. And you've made me go all the way over onto the other side. Well, you'll have to scan that and post it on social media. I would love to see what you have, or at least share it with me, because I would love to see what your notes are. Absolutely. And how you interpreted this. But yeah. but to wrap up real quickly, um, because I know you asked, uh, feel free, if anybody wants to get in touch with me, the best way to do so is on my website, chrishood.com, C-H-R-I-S-H-O-O-D.com. Reach out to me on that website. You can find a link to buy my book. You can tune into my own podcast, The Chris Hood Digital Show. I've now started another show, a live show called Customer Transformation Live, where I sit down and have similar conversations with uh, guests. And you can find all my social media profiles so that if you want to reach out and connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter, X, Facebook, wherever it might be, you can do that as well. I would love to connect and have a conversation about anything that's on your mind. And folks, anybody that's interested in AI, Chris is, that is one of the subjects that, that he addresses and, um, reach out to Chris, connect with him, buy his book. Um, I'm telling you right now that, you know, we as an industry need to expand our mindset. We need to change the way we think and we, we need to do it all focused on our customers. If we do that, even though the door swings are slower than we'd like, we're going to get more door swings and we're going to get better quality door swings and we're going to make eventually more sales because we're focused on the customer and what the customer really needs. And when you do that, not only do you make your first sale, but then you get the referrals, you get the repeat business, you get the five-star online reviews that you need, and you get the referrals that you need, and you get the testimonials that you need to run your business. Business today is different than it used to be. And guys like Chris Hood that are business experts can help you get to the next step. So reach out. And Chris, thank you so much. You, this was an absolute joy. I can't wait to dive all the way into the book and uh, get more out of it. I'm sure I'll be reaching out soon. Uh, Joe, reach out to Chris. You should definitely get his book. And you should definitely, um, you know, I, I can just tell by the few minutes that we spent together here that Chris is a giver and any conversation with Chris Hood is going to be constructive, informative, and creative. And that's what we all need. So Chris, thank you a million for being here. And everybody that watched today, go out there and sell a million. Thanks. Thanks.